What's up, guys? It's a little different, huh? I don't got a hold. I don't have like a prop in my hand, you know, with the microphone. So I'm trying to figure out what to do. Maybe I'll just hold this the whole time. Uh, probably not though. Okay. Well, welcome uh, once again to kind of an unorthodox edition of challenge. Uh, but as usual, I am so glad that you made a priority to be here tonight, to join us for this. And uh, I'm just excited for um, what God wants to do through his word and uh, through his spirit tonight, just in our hearts. And so uh, as you may know from being at the past weeks, we've been going through a series called New, and we've been exploring what it means to, in the first place, become a new creation in Christ, right? As well as experiencing God's new mercies for us every day as we experience new challenges and difficulties. And so that's what we've been getting into the past two weeks. And I'm wrapping up that series tonight. And next week you'll, you'll get to come and see like, okay, what are we going to go over next? But for tonight, I want to start by thinking for a second. Do you find yourself, I'm, I, I'm asking, I guess, and you can think about this. Do you find yourself like frustrated by the sort of cognitive dissonance between the salvation and the faith that you, that you profess and the output of your life, right? Is there some kind of, a lot of people struggle with this. As I've worked with people and experienced this myself, there's this sense often of, I know I should do this, but I, I do this anyway. Or I say this, but I do that. And there's this kind of discomfort, right? Because if you are a follower of Jesus, which if you're not, that's, I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. But if you are, it's like there's this tension of, oh man, like this, this shouldn't be this way. Why is this so, yeah, frustrating? Why does this create such a strain within me? And so tonight I want to explore what following God means for our lifestyle, Right? We haven't really gotten into that much yet with this series, but our lifestyle, adopting a new self that actually honors God, like with our conduct. That's what he's called us to, but we struggle so often to like make that happen, make it a reality, right? And so in, in Paul, the apostle's letter to the Ephesian church, he lays out three actions for the new life. And they're, they're, this verse, this passage is in your handout and you can follow along with me. Three actions. You were taught, he says, with regard to your former way of life to do three things, ready? Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so here in this passage, we have three steps, three actions that we can engage in for, for us to follow. And hopefully we'll see differences. We will not have to experience that frustration anymore. That cognitive dissonance of like, I'm doing this and uh, I believe this. 
that we would really align ourselves to God's high call of righteousness and holiness. That's, that's a lot. So we'll get into all that. And so for tonight, I don't have anything flashy for you. Usually I'll come up with some sort of clever names for the points, right? That like rhyme with each other or like start with the same letter. No, it's all, it's just from the, the text <laughs> that I just read. So with the format of out with the old and in with the new is the first thing we need to do is out with the old self, out with the old self. I'm, it's predictable tonight, but it's, you know, it's okay. I don't want to, I don't feel the need to stray from too far from the text. It says it right there in that first kind of initial part. Put off, this is a command, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So what, like, is that? (laughs) What is the old self? Uh, There's clearly some metaphorical language happening here. And so that old self is the sin nature. It's the, the thing where we naturally gravitate toward selfish things, selfish desires that pull us toward selfish, negative, and ultimately destructive actions. And those things, they don't, they don't sync up with following God. They, they dishonor and displease God. And so in in John Piper, he's a famous author and pastor. He puts it this way. The old person, the old self, is the old bundle of attitudes and emotions and practices of, or that I used to be, that I used to be. This is beyond behavior, guys. This is about identity. It's about identity. When you trust in Jesus for the, few, for the first time, a few things happen to this old self, this old person that we read about in Ephesians 4. First, when you become a follower of Christ, he saves you from the consequences of your old self. He saves you from the consequences of your old self, the destruction, the corruption that it naturally creates that it sows, that we must reap at some point. And in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin, what we earn from sin is death, destruction. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He saves us from the consequences of the old self. And another thing that happens is when you become a follower of Christ, he, sa- he frees you from the bondage to the old self. Follow with me? He saves you from the consequences of your old self, and he frees you from the bondage to your old self. At one point, you were powerless. Powerless to overcome the deceitful desires of the old self. But when you receive his gift of redemption, you're no longer powerless or enslaved is the the illustration that the Bible uses. Enslaved to those attitudes and emotions and practices. And so if that's all in the past and something that 
Jesus has saved us and freed us from, why does Paul need to talk about it even? He's writing to a church in Ephesus and he says, put that off. But I thought we were already done with that, right? We're already saved, we're already free from that. Well, there's one catch here. <laughs> He's, he feels the need to talk about this because while the old self is no longer, it no longer has the power to destroy you, the old self has, no longer has the power to enslave you, but it can fight you. It can fight. It's still in there <laughs> somewhere, right? And it's still battling its way out. It's still battling to, for control of you, even though ultimately Christ has put it to death. Christ has freed you and saved you from it. And my experience with this comes from my past of, of the fear and insecurity that I've experienced, well, pretty much my whole life. And especially when I was younger and still grasping at what it meant to follow God, I was so subject to, and yes, enslaved to the fear of what people think of me. The, that social kind of insecurity of like, I'm not enough for, for the people around me. I need to disengage from the people around me. This is kind of the, the atmosphere that I, that I crafted for myself in my old self. It's my old self that just wanted that escape. And God has saved me. He's changed me. I was, I was talking to somebody just this weekend who knew me when I was younger and was like, I can't believe it. Like they, they've known me for a long time and we see each other, but they even remarked. I was like, man, like that's crazy. Like how, how did that happen? You know, that difference. And I'm not saying this to like pat myself on the back because I attribute that entirely to the grace of God, to what, what he has enabled me to overcome. It's a beautiful thing. But now, I could be going about my day and if, I, if, my, if my guard is down, guys, it, it can creep in again. I don't know if you've experienced this, but this old self, it'll creep in and it will, it deceives me. And it says things, you know? It says that you're still enslaved to isolation and fear. And you are a coward. And these messages that I've told myself a long time, a long time ago, but they crop up every once in a while, God has given me the tools to fight and to put off that old self. He's given me the tools to rebuke that deceit with truth. In Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So like the, the cowardly self isn't there anymore. According to God's word, right? According to God's word, I have put to death, Jesus has put to death that coward that fearful person. 
praise God. And 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God has not given me a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. That's the truth. These are the things that are in my tool belt to like help me to fight that battle because it still rears its ugly head every now and again. And, and I need to, so I need to rebu- rebuke that deceit with truth. I got to stop chasing that deceitful desire for security. That's something that I have to, that I have to deal with, you know, where I want to, you know, whatever, disengage and have a sense of security about where I stand with people. And I also need to, in those moments, confess to God the sin of giving in to that old self because that's not glorifying to God. My, my old self was all about self-preservation, not God glorification, right? And so I need to confess, God, like, please help me. Please forgive me. And he does. And he does. Okay? Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Like, who can know it? Like, this is impossible, guys. The heart. And now, what that means is that's the, there's a lot of different words that, like from the original language of the Bible that are translated or rendered in the English of, of the Bible. It'll say the heart or the mind, perhaps. And there's different ways that it, it comes out. But that, what that means is it's the control center of your life. The control center of your life, the heart, the mind, where, where we make all those decisions And that is something that by that sinful nature, we are just deceived like entirely above all things, Jeremiah says. And so when God comes in, he cleans it right out, but there is still this inkling. There's something there that still comes in and that old self will deceive us if we're not careful. And so we need to be out with the old self and then in with two things. First, in with the new mind, the new mind. The second part of this passage says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. And as I said, the mind, the heart, it's the control center, the cockpit of your life and the way you live and the decisions you make. And so... The Bible talks about renewing this, this thing, this heart, this mind. In Romans 12, 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by doing good stuff, not bad stuff. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you guys are, what's going on? It says... And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove in order that you may prove or do what is good and acceptable, the perfect will of God. Obedience starts in the mind. Obedience starts in the mind, in the heart. And the ethic of following God 
of achieving holiness is not merely about do good stuff, not bad stuff, right? Why say a lot word when few words do trick? Because, to answer that question, because it's not that simple. It's not that simple. God wants children, not robots. God wants children, not robots. Unlike robots, our creator wants a meaningful relationship with him to dictate our behavior. That, he wants it to come from that, not just mindless obedience. And unlike robots, we have a heart in need of renewal. My, my study Bible says this about this, this process. The renewal or transformation of the mind is a process in which believers begin to think in new and right ways as they meditate on the truths of God's word. What then are you filling your mind with? Are empty entertainment or impure jokes or images, bad advice or lifestyles from the people around you, your TikTok sub-community of choice, right? Or, or the truths of God's word. Or are you filling your mind with the truths of God's word? Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says this, Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart or the mind, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the hands do, right? And the attitudes come out and the emotions. Those attitudes and emotions and practices have to come from somewhere. And they come from within. And the simplest way I can spell out the renewal of your mind is to immerse yourself in God's word. Immerse yourself in God's word. And along with that, immersing yourself in a community that has biblical values at its foundation will also go a long way in the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind. In light of this, um, these ideas, John Piper, he says, when your mind is filled with the love of Christ and with all the fullness of God, then the spirit of your mind is renewed and freed from the deceit of the world. And out of that renewed mind come new attitudes and emotions and practices. And they clothe you with righteousness and holiness. Out with the old self, in with the new mind, and third, in with the new self. In with the new self. The last part of this passage says, put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what is the new self? Talked about the old, old self. What's the new self? Well, well, one, it's just basically the opposite, right, of what we talked about earlier. But John Piper, he says this. It's going to sound similar. The new person is the new bundle of attitudes and emotions 
and practices that Jesus has called us to become. Once again, this is a matter of identity. And it starts with giving your life to God. It starts with giving your life to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. To take that sin upon him. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have a new identity. We have a new identity, the righteousness of God. That righteousness is associated with the holiness of God. His, that holiness means his, his otherness, his uniqueness, God's perfection and purity that seems impossible for us to, to even compare to. In fact, his holiness, like the idea of his holiness only functions as a contrast to the unholiness of man. Jerry Bridges in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness says, scripture speaks of both a holiness which we have in Christ before God and a holiness which we are to strive after. There's a twofold component of this. See, I've been, I've been trying to get into this, but God's holiness, his righteousness, these things are graciously mapped onto us when we embrace Jesus as our savior. We become the righteousness of God. This is a fact of becoming a Christian. We, we do not work for that. We do not earn that. We earned death, but he paid the price for us to receive life and righteousness and holiness. But as members of God's family, we're called to live in a holy and righteous way, only as a result of what he's done in our hearts, as a result of that renewal of the mind. Leviticus 20, verses seven and eight say, so set yourselves apart to be holy, God says, for I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice, for I am the Lord who makes you holy. In Leviticus and throughout the Bible, we see that there is effort, there is effort on our part to produce good fruit in our lives. Wow, while God works in us to empower us to produce that fruit and to make us holy. This is, and this, this might blow your mind. This is God's intent from the beginning of time. That ideal, that holiness, for us, was God's plan all along. In the first chapter of the Bible, in Genesis 1, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That first part, God created man in his own image. Does that sound familiar? I see the same thing in Ephesians 4. Put on the new self, created to be like God, in the image of God. Putting on the new self is how you achieve your original design. It's what God made us for. And in this, the, the verse right after that one in Genesis that I just read, it says, he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
In other words, he, he just made humanity and said, I'm going to fill them with my image. They're going to bear my image. And they're going to fill the earth with my image, my holiness. This is something that we messed up, but you were designed to bear the image and the likeness of God in his holiness and to spread that likeness across the earth, across the earth in, in two ways. One, producing the fruit, the good fruit of righteousness. Producing the good fruit of righteousness, right? Being fruitful. And by making disciples, multiplying. Making disciples, fellow image bearers, walking in step with their original purpose. This is something that God invites you to invite others into that wholeness, that newness, and that original purpose. So when, when and how often are we to put off the old self, be renewed in our minds, and put on the new self? Just some thoughts here from, from some quotes. This first one says, the, the discarding of the old man and the wearing of the new are two halves of one action. The moment-by-moment moment repetition, the moment-by-moment moment repetition of this decision is the secret of the Christian's changed life. And then another quote from Jerry Bridges says, we will spend the rest of our lives putting off these habits, these negative habits, the old self, and putting on habits of holiness. Now, if that sounds wearisome, right, and difficult to deal with, let God's word comfort you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, So we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, right? There's a decay, that, that, a destruction that comes with being human. Our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. Put off the old self, be renewed in your mind, and put on the new self. Submit to God's process of transformation in your heart, and your renewal and your holiness will grow day by day. Step into who God designed you to be. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for for your design, for your decision to let us be with you and to be in that relationship with you and to walk in holiness. So teach us, Lord, from your word and your spirit how to, to do that better. Teach us how to live in that truth and not in the old self. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would really show us what our next steps are in following you. Our next steps are in pursuing that holiness and having a more effective and fruitful life for you. In Jesus' name, amen.